there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected. Other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. The main event. We are now ready for the main event now that we've gotten those two little minor events, which I consider to be pretty major, quite yeah. frankly. Um, but now we've got those two little minor events out of the way. This is really comical to me. The people who don't listen to the light podcast, they only listen to the fat podcast because they're smarter than the average bear. I think, you dummies, you, you really don't know what you're missing. You know, I put so much into all of it. And you, never mind. We shouldn't even talk about that. I'm just being negative. <laughs> so I want to talk this morning about the shotgun effect. One of the reasons we're rarely, we, we, that we rarely apply this work to unpleasant situations is because it takes great strength to withdraw ourselves from a situation. So why is it when we're in an unpleasant situation, we rarely ever apply these ideas? And the answer is because it takes so much strength to withdraw ourselves from the situation that we can't apply the idea. We have nothing left. We have no force left to apply an idea, just trying not to go with the situation, if we can even do that. I mean, let's face it. Most of us just go with the situation. There's a point where if you've got a scale or something and you put one more grain of sand on the side of the scale, that's it. The scale's going. It's tipping. There's no wit. You know, it's not rocking back and forth anymore. It's gone. And that's how we are. There's just one little thought. The straw that broke the camel's back, they, they called it. One little thought, one little feeling, one little action, one little imaginary thing that drops onto that side of the scale. Bam! We're negative. And there's no way to turn it around. It's going to run its course. What does that mean? It's, what it's going to do is it's going to be negative until some of that stuff slides off and then it comes back up. That's what's going to happen. And then we're going to be all apologetic. Oh, oh, oh I didn't mean, I didn't talk. And we're going to self-justify. Well, if you hadn't done this, well, if you hadn't, and you're the one who put, and blah, blah, blah. You're still negative, people. That's not the answer. The answer is to take responsibility for it. The last thing you will ever do is take responsibility for your actions, for being negative. The last thing you will ever do is take responsibility for being negative. When you do that, you won't be negative. That's why it's the last thing you'll ever do. Then, when you stop taking responsibility for being negative, when I'm negative, it's always my fault. When you stop taking responsibility for that, you're negative again. That's how that works. So, as we are, we fall prey to the shotgun effect. In the early West, a shotgun was known as a scatter gun because it scattered shot in a large pattern. The shorter the barrel, the larger the pattern, and the less distance it would go. And the longer the barrel, they have chokes on shotguns so that you can choke it down so that the pattern is very small. That chokes the pattern down so it's very small and it's very powerful. But it doesn't hit as much. It doesn't cover as wide an area, so you've got to be more accurate. But you can choke it open and the pattern spreads and you can hit things without really being that good a shot. In the Old West, it was called a scatter gun because it's scattered shot. It doesn't shoot just one projectile. So they're all different kinds. They're different numbers for the shot. There's bird shot and buck shot, and then it goes up and up and up until it's finally a slug. So that's the whole idea of the scatter gun. So I want you to get that in your head because I want to talk about the work 
from this point of view. And I have found that if I use examples from life like this, somehow it makes an impression on us, and we have a way of bridging this gap between this work being this theoretical thing and, and, and the work being an applicable thing, where we can actually apply it. And if you can start to think of the work as some kind of a physical thing in the world, it, I find that it helps, for some people, it helps make it easier for them to apply it. It's easier to remember. Now, I pick these little titles like shotgun effect and things like that, and people go, whoa, blah, blah, blah. What's all this? Well, I'll tell you what it all is. It's trying to make an impression. That's what it is. It's trying to make an impression. It's trying to impress the false personality because there's nothing else to impress with you because that's what you are. You're a false personality. I'm talking to false personalities. I'm not talking to real eyes anywhere. I promise you that. I'm talking to false personalities. So when you're talking to false personalities, it's the best, the best thing to do is use their language. If you want to communicate with them, use their language. So that's what I'm trying to do. For those of you who are interested in knowing, for those of you who never even cared, well, then forget I said that. When we can't separate from life events, we're called machines in this work because we scatter ourselves through identifying. We practice this shotgun effect by identifying. And what is it we identify with? Every little thing. And so all of our force, instead of being like a slug aimed at one thing, all of our force is scattered in all the shot. And it's a short barrel, and it's often a wide pattern. So nothing gets hit really hard, but we end up with a lot of little attachments. Dozens, hundreds, thousands, perhaps, of little attachments. Now, if you'll remember Gulliver's Travels, I think it was in the land of the Lilliputians, that they were the little guys, right? And he was the big guy there. He washed up on the beach, and they found this big giant. So they took all these ropes, and they staked him down. Hundreds and hundreds of them. They tied his hair down and they had all these ropes and they tied him around stakes and pounded the stakes down. This big, huge effort on their part. And that's how we are. We are so tied down. Who you really are is really, is really a giant, but it's so tied down by all of this shotgun effect, this identifying with all these little things, that there's no force left to pull away. There's no force left to to get away from the unpleasant situation. There's no force left to apply any of these ideas because we have been tied up. And that's what happens when we can't separate from life events. And that's why we're called machines. How to build the strength needed to withdraw ourselves from life events is where we have to start our work. Nobody comes to the gym and bench presses twice their weight who hasn't developed any muscle, who hasn't developed any strength. You've got to develop the strength first. And so what this work is about is very, something very practical like that. It's about practically developing the strength that you need to develop to do the things that need to be done. And the first thing that needs to happen is we need to withdraw ourselves from life events. That's where we start. We start where we are attached. And where we are attached is to life. And this is why it's so painful. Because we're attached to life, it's painful because we want to be attached to life. So it's painful to try and have the work pull us out of that. We have to will the work. And at first, we don't will the work. We want the work to do it all for us. We want to imagine that we're doing it. We have all these other things that we want instead. We want the work to give us what we want in life. It's like prayer. You know, when you were a kid, you remember how if you got in trouble, you would pray that you didn't get in trouble when you got home? Oh, God, you promised God all this stuff. Remember that? We're no different. Now we basically are asking the work to keep us out of trouble. There's a story told about Buddha. A guy came to him, his father died. And his father was not a very nice man. The son was worried that the father was going to go down instead of up. 
So he came to Buddha and he said, well, you're a great man. You're a great spiritual teacher. You're a great saint. You're a great enlightened being. If you interfere here, then you can get him to go up, even though he did all these bad things. He won't go down. And so Buddha said, well, okay. He, he could see that there was no sense in talking to this guy because the guy was set in his own way. He was a full cup. So Buddha realized the first thing he had to do was empty the cup. So he said, okay, and he met the guy where he was, just like I'm telling you that I'm trying to do with these, with the shotgun effect, with all these titles and with all these different examples. I'm trying to meet you where you are, trying to meet you where you are and where you are is in life. You can say you're somewhere else. You can say that you're some ascended being or some ascended master, but you're full of balloon juice. You're not. You're here with us and you're negative like all the rest of us and you're a machine like all the rest of us and you're asleep like all the rest of us and you're not one like all the rest of us and you don't have one will like all the rest of us and you can't do like all the rest of us oh well but but you can do yeah i can do sometimes and so can you sometimes but this isn't a comparison this isn't we're not measuring to see who's better and who's worse here that's that's a waste of time unless of course you want to build your false personality then of course that's exactly the way to do it and you do want to build your false personality because that's who you think you are. And when we say strengthen ourselves, what we really mean is we want to strengthen our false personality. We want to strengthen our acquired self. We want to strengthen our pretense. But what this work says is, no, that needs to be undone. And so the work is at odds with us. It's at odds with our self-love and our self-interest. And we don't like that. But for some reason, we stay. We're still here. So hang in there. Maybe we can make some progress after all. First, try not to identify with little things in life. Never start with big things. Never start with big things. Anyway, Buddha said to this guy, okay, I want you to go buy two jars at the market, two clay pots. Fill one with stones, fill the other one with butter. The guy goes, oh, this is great. He's got some ritual, and I'm going to be able to do this, and then this is, we're going to make some offering, and then my father will go up instead of down. So he came back, and he said, you got the jars. And he says, Buddha says, okay, I want you to go throw them in this lake, this pond. So he goes, and he throws them in the pond. Well, of course, the jar with the stones in it went sunk right to the bottom. The jar with the butter in it floated on the top. And he said, come back and tell me what happens. So he came back and he said, this is it, you know. This means that, you know, all my father's sins went to the bottom of in the stone jar. And now he's, his, he's like the butter now and he's floated to the top. So it's done. So he goes back to Buddha and he tells him. And he said, this is how it is. If you do things that are heavy and drag you down, then you're going to be dragged down. And if you do things that are light and lift you up, then you're going to be lifted up. And there's nothing anybody can do about that. First, he told the guy, well, go back and make the stone jar rise. And he went back and he said, well, he came back and he couldn't. And he said, well, hit it with a stick. You know, he couldn't. There was nothing he did. It just stayed at the bottom. He said, well, go and make the butter go down. He couldn't. So he came back and he said, well, this is the same thing. You're asking me to do the same thing. You're asking me to make the stone jar rise. You're asking me to make the butter sink. If your father did these things, then this is what he, this is what he did. This is what has to happen. If he did these other things, then this is what has to happen. It has nothing to do with anything. Our job is to accept it. So that's the story on that. I spent so much time telling the story on that, I forgot why I told it. But it's a good story. We need to withdraw from the little things. And why it's not a good idea to start with the big things is that, as I watched him, he also told a story about he would go and he would watch the coolies. They would be working, and they would be hauling water or rocks or dirt or whatever people were digging. Well, they had these bars and then a load on each side, pole. And they'd get underneath the pole, lift it up on their shoulders, and then walk with it. And they said it was always funny. He would watch these little guys and watch the big guys, and they'd come and they'd pick the load, the biggest load, and they'd pick it up. And then there was a load that a small guy couldn't, obviously couldn't carry. No way he could carry it. No way he could lift it. But he, would, he said the amazing thing is he would always go. You would see this little guy. He would always go to the big load, and he'd try and lift it. 
And he couldn't lift it, and then he would go and pick a smaller load. And he said every time he did it. You would think after a while he would get it, that he couldn't do that. But he kept on trying. And this is us. See, we are like that. We're constantly trying to do more than we can do. Why is that? Well, it's very simple. Why is that? It's because we're so full of self-love. We're so full of self-adoration. We think more of ourselves than we ought to think of ourselves. We think more of our strength than we actually have. And so we end up trying to do things that we can't do. That's why I say don't start with the big things. Start with the little things. The idea of self-remembering is to draw into ourselves all the scattered elements that have been glued to the events in life. So in a sense, it's like rewinding the film where you can pull the shot back out of the air and out of whatever it's hit, pull it back into the shotgun and put it back into the shell. So I want you to think of it that way. This is what the idea of self-remembering is. And a moment is all it takes. It can happen in a moment. Just a moment is all it takes. That's the power of self-remembering. You know yourself that at any moment, if you get hold of an idea and you remember yourself in that idea, a work idea, you remember yourself. For example, Rex and I were talking last night and he said something about all of a sudden he was just grateful. He became grateful for something. He started being grateful for something. And he said instantly all the negativity evaporated. Was that right? Mm -hmm. Something like that? Just evaporate. What happened to it? It cannot exist in an attitude of gratitude. It can't exist. You can't feel owed when you're being grateful. You see, you feel like you're the debtor. You feel like you owe. And it changes everything. And it only happens, and it happens in an instant, in a moment. And that's, what's, that's the power of self-remembering. A moment is all that it takes. Remember the work octave. Doe is the evaluation of the work ideas. And Ray is the application of those ideas to yourself. So those are the first two notes in, the, in that work octave. What we fail to grasp is when our suffering is induced by external life, it's useless suffering. When we're suffering because of external life, it's useless, unnecessary suffering. So the stock market went up or down and you're suffering because of that. That's useless, unnecessary suffering. You didn't get what you wanted. This person, that person didn't do what you wanted them to do. Or you didn't get this goal or that goal. That's useless, unnecessary suffering. If your suffering is induced by the events in life, it's useless, unnecessary suffering. It happens to millions of machines all day long. Identifying with it is the problem, not the event. Identifying with the stock market is the problem, not the stock market. Identifying with the fact that somebody said something unkind to you is the problem, not the fact that they said something unkind to you. Identifying with the fact that your boyfriend has been unfaithful or your girlfriend has been unfaithful is the problem, not that they have been unfaithful. That's not the problem. You are the problem. But, but, but what they did is wrong. Yes, and what you're doing is adding misery to your suffering. That's what you're doing. You are doing this to yourself. No one is doing this to you. But no, we don't want to see that. We don't want to take responsibility for that because we are too glued to the events in life. We want to be right. We don't care about being happy or being free as long as we can be right. So identifying is the problem. Regardless of how tragically horrible the event, how terribly unjust and unkind, how miserably wrong, how awful it was that that little child should be blown up by, you know, a landmine that was, you know, and it was just crawling along, just a little child crawling along looking for its teddy bear and came across a landmine and it blew it to smithereens and then now the little child is dead or blew its arms off or whatever. 
And now it has to live with no arms and no legs for the rest of its life with someone else feeding and, and blah, blah, blah. It's so, so tragic and horrible. Yes, I agree. It's horrible. And it happens all the time and it's happened throughout history. It happens all the time. Why? Because that's what we do. Because we bury explosives under the ground for people to step on to kill them and to wound them and to maim them. That's what we do. That's what this planet is. That's what people do on this planet. So the tragedy of it is you're here on this stinking, tragic planet. And you, you belong here. You're here for a reason. And no, it's not your punishment, you idiot. You're not being punished. Oh, God is punishing me for the sins of my past. <laughs> Forget about it. Just drop it. Drop it, drop it, drop it. Your story, your history, your drama, your drama queens, drop it. Forget about it. That's not important. We need to deal with what's important. And the only thing that's important is how to deal with this. This work teaches us how not to identify with it, how not to put ourselves under the power of life and its streaming events. Look, life is just events, tragic events happening again and again and cyclical. Now we're coming to the winter solstice. The insanity of the planet is reaching a peak, isn't it? The shopping insanity, the, the nasty insanity, the this insanity, the greed insanity, the spending insanity, the insanity is reaching a peak. People are out there bumping into each other in cars. People are out there whining and complaining about this. People are killing each other, doing this and that, and blah, 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 blah. It's so tragic, so stupid, so, and there it is. And every year the same thing happens. Remember when I rode a motorcycle, I put my motorcycle away the day before Thanksgiving, and I didn't take it out until after the first of the year. Why? Because the roads are not safe. Why? Because idiots are shopping. Idiots are looking for parking places. Idiots have one thing in mind. I've got to get this gift for so-and-so. I've got to get this. I've got to get that. Or they're drunk. If you want to ride around under the law of accident, that's the time to do it in America. From Thanksgiving to about three days after New Year. Do that. And you really up your chances of, of getting in an accident. If, on the other hand, you're conscious enough to see what the machines are doing and what the plant and what the planetary influences are reaping off the planet, you know, that there's all this negativity going, that it's cyclical, that it's seasonal, and that it's surrounded it's around the equinoxes and the solstices. If you can see that, then you're becoming conscious. You're you're starting to put yourself under the law of your own fate. That's the difference between working and not working. So it doesn't matter how tragic it is, how horrible it is. Now, we can not identify. We can not put ourselves under the power of life and its streaming events. Now, this is a long way off for us. Rich Nicole said, this is very strong medicine. <laughs> I like that. This is very strong medicine. Nonetheless, it is what the work teaches. It may seem impossible, but it can be done, and it has been done by others. People have gone before us. People have done this. You now have gone before someone else. You know, wherever you are, I don't care where you are now, you have gone before somewhere else, someone else. You have made it possible for someone else to take your place on the rung of this ladder. That's what you've done. Now, whether or not anyone will, I don't know. I suspect someone will. But the point is, is that you have gone ahead of someone. You have done that through effort, through work effort. You have done that. Other people have done that as well. They have gone before you. Each event that happens to you is your own, and you must deal with it yourself. This is self-development. You're being attracted to it. This is what we don't want to know. This is the big secret we don't want to know. Each event that happens to you is your own. It's your event. It's not somebody else didn't do it to you. It's your event. You created it. You attracted it. You made it happen. You drew it into your life. You did this. 
Your being did this. Now you say, no, I didn't do that. No, you idiot. I didn't say you did it. Your being did it. You don't know what your being is. You don't know what your being is. If you did know what your being was, you wouldn't be being it. You would alter it. You would change your being to make it more in harmony and accord with real I. But you don't know what your being is because you're unaware of it. How come? Because you're unconscious. How come? Because you're asleep. How come? Because you're attached to life. Of the billions of different kinds of events on different scales, our being attracts those that are necessary for us to face. Why is it that your being attracted a divorce? Why is it that your being attracted never being married? Why is it that your being attracted, you know, a bee business? Why is it that your being attracted being a, you know, a school bus driver? Of all the millions and billions of events that could happen, how did that happen? Your being attracted it. No, no, it was just an accident. No, it wasn't just an accident. It's not random. Your being does this. This is a premise of this work. If you're not willing to accept that premise, you do not belong in this work. Let me just say that. If you're not willing to accept that premise, the possibility of that premise, so that you can see it, then you don't, you don't belong in this work. You belong back out there in the world doing whatever it is people do in the world, trying to fix it. As you try to apply the ideas of these esoteric teachings to the events of your own life, you begin to see what this work teaches. It's a slow process. Why it's slow is because it takes us a long time to try to apply the ideas of esoteric teachings to the events in our life. We're too busy trying to change the events in our life to apply any ideas to them. We've got to learn not to identify with the events that make up the story of our lives. This whole business's story is really a nightmare. I was talking to Connie the other day about telling her story. She was somewhere uh, getting her hair cut, and I said, you told them that? She said, yeah. I said, you're just, so you're just out there telling your story. She said, well, it's about time I told my story. And I thought, you idiot. <laughs> just because you're not running your mouth telling your story does not mean you're not telling your story in your head 24-7. You have been telling your story your whole life until you are nothing but your story. Your story is killing you. People, get this straight. Your story is killing you. It is what has imprisoned you. So your right to tell your story is your right to die. It's your right to sleep. It's your right not to develop. You have the right not to tell your story. You have the right not to be negative. That's what this work asserts. But you don't want that right. You want the right to tell your story. And you want the right to tell your story to anyone who will listen. And if they won't listen, you want the right to tie them down and make them listen. Why? Because it's your story. Why? Because it's your pain body, because it's your ego, because it's your false personality, and you want to feed it because it's hungry. Because everything on this planet is hungry. Everything on this planet is eating something else. And you want to go eat other people with your story. Why? So you can feed it. Why? So you can feed your negative self, your negative being. That's why. What this work says is stop it. You can stop it. So we've got to learn not to identify with the events that make up the story of our lives. You can't not identify with your story. You've got to start with the little things, the events that make up the story. The one event now may be too big for you. Then pick some smaller events. Back up a little bit. Pick some smaller events that support that big event and start to withdraw your identification from those. That way, you undermine the big event. Mechanical man can't do this because he is his life. He is the event. When you're mechanical, there's no way you're going to withdraw from your story. There's no way you're going to separate from your story, separate from the events of your life. There's no way, because you are the events of your life. If it's happening to you, it is you. You are it, and it's you. There's no way to do it. 
You can't observe. A mechanical man can't observe how he takes events because he is the event. He can't see how he takes an event because he is the event. He's suffering from the shotgun effect. It's just as damaging as being shot with a shotgun. <coughs> you know, if you get shot with a shotgun and it's a long way off, it's not so bad. You pick some bird shot out of yourself, you know, it doesn't really, so a lot of it won't even go through your clothes. If you're wearing, when we were kids, you know, we used to go and uh, do nasty things in farmers' plots and they would put rock salt on their shotguns and come out and bam, shoot rock salt. Well, you know, it can sting. But if you're far enough away, you know, we really can't do that much harm. And back in those days, they didn't get arrested for that. Back in those days, when you were stealing from somebody and somebody shot you, you got arrested. Not the person who shot the thief. It was all different then. Back in those days, it was different. The criminals were not protected like they are now. Of course, we're all criminals, so we should all be happy that we're all being protected, I guess. <laughs> the idea is that but if you got closer, you know, even rock salt close up could make a huge could, could be a huge problem for you. So the idea is that a shotgun wound is nasty. I, I guess that's really the best way to put it. It's really nasty. This is just as damaging when we're attached to these events, when we think we are these events. It's just as damaging as a shotgun wound. So many little things are drawing our force that we don't realize we can react to these things differently. We lack the strength to withdraw because we're bleeding out. All these little tiny wounds everywhere. All these little events that we've that we've identified with, we're bleeding out. They're each slowly draining force from us. Not any one of them is big enough to kill us. But altogether, they make us so weak that we're unable to deal with life in a responsible way in a, from a work point of view. So we don't realize that we could react to things differently. We lack the strength to withdraw because we lack the force. And we lack the force because all of our force is going into these little events. We're, that we think we are. This happened to me. So this happened to me means this is happening to me. A different way to approach that is, is this is an event in life. It's like all the other events in life, and it's happening. I don't have to identify with it. That's all. It doesn't mean that the event goes away. All it means is you don't have to identify with it. You don't have to allow it to draw your force. You don't have to allow it to own you. You don't have to make it my event, my life, my story. You don't have to make it my history. You can say it's an event. I was talking to Mele. He was talking about his heart attack. When he was 27, he had a heart attack. He was in the Army. He had a heart attack. And for six years after that, he lived in heart attack prison. Heart attack prison was he had to constantly take his pulse. He was always doing this. Anytime he exercised or did anything, he had to take his pulse and make sure that his, his heart wasn't overworking. He was so afraid of damaging his heart, so afraid of doing any activity and the doctors told him, well, don't do this and don't do that. So he became imprisoned. And he was imprisoned by his heart rate. If it went too high, he had to stop everything, sit down, be calm and breathe and, you know, do all that. And his whole life was about that. And I said, you know, first of all, the first thing to do is stop calling it your heart attack. It's a heart attack, man. Millions of people have them. It's a stinking heart attack. That's all. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean anything. Get over it. It was like a whole new idea to him. Not calling it mine. That's the first step. That's the first step in separation. It's not my heart attack. It's a heart attack. It's something that happened seven, six or seven years ago. Drop it. Forget it. Life goes on. You should go on too. We did incidentally go on. And he got to get beyond that. And I hope he's staying beyond that. So this is what happens. We need to start with a little thing like that. When we begin to see this, really see it, we're no longer mechanical men. 
we begin to see we can take life events in a new way if we work on ourselves. So if Mile was willing to work on himself, and he was, he was willing to work on himself, he was willing to say, okay, this is just a heart attack. It's not my heart attack. And every time that comes up, he has to say that. Every time he catches himself saying, my heart attack, he needs to say, wait a second, it's not my heart attack. It was a heart attack. It's no big deal. It's over. It's done. It's not mine. I don't own it. It's something that just happened. That's all. It's an event that happened. That event is over. It's not my event. It happens to millions of people. The same event is used by millions of people. You get it? It's an event. Separate yourself from it. See it as an event, not as your event, not as something that is attached to you. It doesn't have to be attached to you. If you don't identify with it, you don't attach yourself to it. If you don't attach yourself to it, it's not going to draw the force from you that it would draw from you if you were attached to it. Do you understand? It's a physical thing. It's a physical thing. An event is a physical thing. You are a physical thing. Don't let the event get hold of you. It may be happening. You don't have to identify with it. You do not have to give your force to it. You don't have to consent to it and go with it. Now, I said, if we'll work on ourselves, that's a big if. But it's the if with which we must come to terms. And the sooner we come to terms with it, the better for us and for our development. The question is, are you going to work on yourself? And not, am I going to work on myself theoretically this today or in the future? Am I going to work on myself regarding this event right now? This is an event. What is happening right now is an event. If you're identifying with the event, you're not working on yourself. So the if is a big if that way. We must first see that we take daily events of life the same way all the time. You come here, you sit down in the same place, you always sit down. I mean, look at you. You're all sitting in the same place you always sit. You take every event the same way. I sit here, I start to talk, you take the event in the same way every time. We're very similar. You need to see that first. That's the first thing you need to see. See that. See, we're not talking about bad events. We're just talking about events. It's just an event. It doesn't matter whether it's a good event or a bad event. It's an event. This is where we need to work. We need to work on the events, where we are. So first, we see that. We take the events of life the same way all the time, the daily events of life. You take brushing your teeth the same way all the time. You take taking a shower the same way all the time. You take these things the same way all the time. Begin to see that. We must see we get no new meaning from these events when we take them the same way all the time. You're never getting new meaning if you're taking it the same way all the time. The only way you're going to get new meaning is if you change places. You understand? Don't sit where you always sit. Don't do what you always do. Be a little more conscious. Make a conscious effort to do something differently and try and get different meaning, new meaning from the same old daily events. Brush your teeth with your left hand. I know these are stupid things, but when we're as stupid as we are, we need stupid things. Do it or don't do it. You know, it's up to you. I'm, I'm not suggesting that everybody brush their teeth with the other hand. I'm suggesting that you try and do something that you do on a daily basis a little more consciously. That's what I'm suggesting. So if you want to brush your teeth with your left hand, if you want to brush your teeth with your left hand, brush your teeth with your left hand. Try and be awake when you do it. That's all I'm saying. Try to be conscious of it. You brush your hair, try to be conscious of it. You don't have any hair, you shave your head, then be conscious of what you're doing. Well, I'm already conscious. Good. Now be more conscious, oh conscious one. You know, nobody's more annoying than the conscious people, <laughs> are we? <laughs> So this drama that we call life, all the events that happen, are material for work. And they've got to be taken like that. All of the events that are happening in life, all this drama, we need to take it as material for work. Not as, this is happening and I've got to do something about it. No. You don't have to do anything about it. You just have to separate from it. That's what you have to do about it. I'm in the process of a big event right now. 
in my life. And people keep trying to get me to do something about it. And I say, no, I'm just going to separate from it. Well, but you have to do something. No, I don't have to do anything. When I have to do something, I'll do something. But I don't have to do anything. All I have to do right now is not be identified with this. And trust me, the people in my life are identified enough. They don't need me being identified with the event as well. That's not going to help a thing. Me withdrawing my identification, my force from it, is the best thing that happens for me and for everybody in the event or in the process of the event or involved with the event. We've got to take the events, whatever they are, as opportunities for work. <laughs> some folks have it good, and some people don't have it so good in life. You have to see that. You have to see that some people are born with nothing, and some people are born with everything. Some people, life supports them. You know, let's take uh, th- th- that famous porn star, Paris Hilton. Obviously, she has a lot of money. Life supports her in being an idiot, right? And she does it well. Is she developing? Well, I don't know. What about somebody who doesn't have that? All those opportunities, doesn't have all that money, can't be a porn star, can't get away with murder, can't have, you know, all this publicity and make all this money from it. What about somebody who doesn't? Is is life worse for them? Well, life doesn't support them as well. That's true. But it doesn't matter when it comes to the work. Because no matter what the event, it's still an opportunity to work. It's still something to work on. That is what we need to see. So we're down here to separate from life. The good, the bad, and the ugly of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly of it. I don't care if it's Paris Hilton good, if it's Donald Trump good, if it's Bill Gates good, or if it's poor boy in you know starving to death in in um, in a Latin American country or Africa, South Africa somewhere with flies all over your eyes, you know, getting a drink out of the out of, out of your eyes, you know, then then it's that the good, the bad, and the ugly. What we're here to do is separate from it. That's why we're here. That's why we're down here to separate from. The events of life. No man can change life on this planet. No man can change life on this planet. It's not going to happen. You're not going to end war. You're not going to save the whales. You're not going to save the rainforest. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Eventually, it will all be destroyed. You may hold back the tide for a few moments, for a nanosecond in the history of the planet. But trust me, you're not going to change life on this planet. And if you think you are, you're a megalomaniac. And you need your head examined. It's not going to happen. I know I'm really stepping on toes here because I I know we have listeners who really think that they're going to be good doobies and go out there and fix things and make a difference. And I promise you, the only difference you're going to make is if you stop identifying with the events in life. That's the only difference you're ever going to make. And that'll make the biggest difference that a human being can make on this planet. But you don't see that because you're still too attached to life. And that's why you want to fix it. So no man can change life on this planet. Horrible things happen in life. Always have and they always will. Jesus said it another way. The poor will be with you always. That's not the point. The story is the story. I don't care whether it's a good story or a bad story or a mediocre story or an average story. A story is a story. It's a story. That's all. It's the story. We're down here to learn a lesson, to learn everything that this work teaches, to learn how to take life rightly through the application of work ideas. When the tragedies of life draw you into self-pity. You've got a shotgun wound and you're bleeding force. You're getting weaker. And I promise you, life is going to keep on shooting. Life didn't shoot you with a shotgun so that it could take you to the hospital and get you healed. It's trying to kill you. Get this straight. Life is trying to kill you. The end for all people who are born into this life is death. Life eventually kills them. Get it straight. 
remove the illusion, remove the romance from it, and see it for what it is. It's going to kill you. The shotgun wound is just the beginning. If it can cripple you and hunt you down, it will. The shotgun wound is taking life as if it should be different. When you take life as if it should be different, that's the shotgun effect. You're scattering your force. Well, life could be different. It could be some other way. No, it couldn't, you idiot. You're being attracted at just exactly this way because this is precisely what you need to develop. No! And this work isn't for you? If no is your answer to that, then this work isn't for you. The problem is we're starting from life instead of starting from ourselves. When you think that life should be different, you're starting from life. You're not starting from yourself. Life can't be different. It cannot be different. The only thing that can change is your response to it. You have to start from yourself, not from life. Anything can happen in life, and you can't change that. Anything can happen, and there's nothing you can do about it. Your house could burn down. A, a meteor could drop on your car. Somebody could kill your kids. Somebody could kill you. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. You can't change it. There's nothing you can do about that. Whenever we fall into thinking that we can do in this vast pain factory called life, we're really in trouble. You start to think that you can do in life. You start to think that there's just some way that you can do in this life, that you can somehow change this life. You're insane. It cannot be done. And you need to get it. You need to really get this. Your only power is in not identifying with these events. That's the only power you have. You have no other power over life. You can change the way you take it, but you cannot change life. You can keep it from beating you down into the weakened state of self-pity. You can avoid a shotgun by distancing yourself from it. Like I told you, you get a shotgun up close, that person's had it. That person can get far enough away from that shotgun, that shotgun is not going to do any harm. This is what identifying with life is. When you identify with life, you are up close with that shotgun, and it's going to hurt you. But if you can back away from life, the events in life, if you can not identify, if you can separate yourself from them, the more you can separate, the less harmful effect it will have on you, the more meaningless the shotgun has. You know, you stand 200 yards away from somebody with a shotgun, and they shoot it at you, you can laugh at them. You stand 200 yards away from somebody with a, with a rifle, and you better not be laughing. You better be ducking and hiding, because that can reach you. The shotgun can't. So this is what life is like. <coughs> If you identify, you're dead. It will kill you. We're here to learn to change our reactions. If we think life should be just, fair, we'll soon lie bleeding because we're starting from a wrong attitude in ourselves. What's the answer? Correct that attitude in yourself. We'll either learn to seal ourselves from the events of life or we'll sink into unhappiness and suffer in useless ways on a daily basis. Over and over and over again. The work will help us make something strong in ourselves that can insulate us from life's events. But we have to work with the work. It happens slowly, but a center of gravity is established in us that life can't shake. If we're happy or not doesn't matter. When we establish that place in consciousness where we're invulnerable to life's onslaughts, this is the beginning of real eye, which stands apart from outer circumstances. I promise you, real eye doesn't care at all about outer circumstances. It just doesn't care. It means nothing to real eye at all. Your circumstances mean nothing to real eye because it's not real. Because your circumstances are not real. Real eye is eternal. Your circumstances are changing constantly. It means nothing to real eye. Real eye stands apart from all of this insanity, apart from this big drama. Now, if you want to be, if you want to identify with real eye, you're going to have to start to withdraw from this drama that you call your life. This story, this insanity, these events. 
When real eye becomes more real for us, the machine that was once driven by life, events, has a new master, a master that is higher than life, apart from life, that is Lord of life. What is it Jesus said? In the world you will have tribulation, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. The master has overcome the world. As you draw closer and closer to the master, to real eye, then the world is overcome because real eye has already overcome the world. With what event have you identified today? Can you observe the events with which you always identify? Which ones made you negative today? Surely there was some event today made you negative. Which events? Can you identify them? Can you see them? Can you locate them? Where have you put yourself under the power of outer life? Have you remembered yourself and tasted the difference between remembering yourself and being under the power of outer life? Did you do that today? Whatever the situations that life throw at you, if you take them as work, you'll come out bruised but not broken, stirred but not shaken. So it doesn't matter what happens to you in life. All that matters is how you take it. That's what this message is about. If you identify with the events that come to you in life, you're standing way too close to the shotgun, and life has got its finger on the trigger. If you can separate from the events, you can avoid the shotgun effect. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.